Uncle Luke is here to show us the way to go home, and home is where God is. That's the facts. And this week, we got to get our ADD cured. Curing ADD. That's what we're looking at here as Uncle Luke shows us the way to go home. Come on in. Let's check it out together. Luke chapter 9, verse 28 to 36. All the bubbles of the world. We got one mission in mind. Welcome to the Biblical Channel. Always glad somebody's coming up because we need to talk about God. That's my assessment. That's what you know. I get the sense of is we need great conversations in our life. We need great stories in our life. We need good stuff in our lives because we ain't getting enough of the good stuff. And we got to just learn how to talk about God. We ought to be reading our Bibles, saying our prayers, getting together, talking God. Talking God ought to be as natural to us as talking fishing. Caught a marlin. Yeah. And let's talk God. Should all be flowing easily from our lips. And I think the, the Bible is so extraordinary because if it's read correctly, it should always make us laugh. It should always make us comfortable. It should always give us some good insight to ourselves. Oh yeah, it might mean changing some of your habits and your hurts and your, and your ways, but it's all for the good. There is no better document to lift our spirits, to lift our state of mind like the Bible. And it claims that God gave it to us, you know, and through the hands of people, blah, blah, blah. But that's why we're here. Get get talking about God. All the Bubba's of the world, come talk about God. That's what we're trying to do. Bubba's mean, you know, all of us common, average, ordinary people of the world. Let's just get together and talk God. Anyhow, we ought to be thinking and have a mind like Mary does. And Mary just has a mind for magnifying the Lord. She says her soul magnifies the Lord. She said her spirit rejoices in God, her Savior. That's what we want to get to. That's how we want to be. That's our attitude. God looks to the humble estates of his servants, like us, like her. And we want to get into the zone like Jesus tells us in, to get into the zone when we pray what, to our Father who is in heaven, to, to our Dad who is in heaven. That, that his name is above all name. There's no better name than God's name. That his kingdom is coming. That his will is going to get done. And we ought to be doing his will on earth as it is in heaven. And we ought to be thankful for the daily bread that we have. But we need more than just bread to live on, as the great book says. And so we, we are you know thankful for the words that God gives us so that we can indeed come to the right conclusions about the world that we're living in and where we're heading. And it's all about forgiveness, forgiving our debts. And so we ask God to forgive us the same way that we forgive others. We ought to be the most forgiving people on the planet. That doesn't mean you got to turn around and trust somebody. No way. Lead us not into temptation. That is our great plea. And deliver us from evil, which God promises he will do. Just reach out and say, deliver me from temptation. Uh, deliver me from evil. Get me away from temptation. Okay, let's dive into um, this week's talk. And this week's talk is, is brought to us on a mountain. Yet again, Jesus goes up on a mountain. And anytime that Jesus goes up on a mountain, it starts bringing back some memories. When Moses went up on a mountain, when, well, lots of things happen on a mountain in the Bible. And so the backdrop to what's going to happen next in our storyline and what God is, is telling us through the words of Jesus, through the words of the disciples, through Peter, James, and John, through Luke, Uncle Luke. Well, it's coming to us. So this is a good story. Um, and it brings, it's kind of like a Chia Pet or, you know, one of those little, you know, things that you put into water. 
and, and you put a little water on it and it just blows up, you know, because it's just saturated. It's prego with meaning. It's uh, and, and it's not hard to work out. It, it's not secret stuff. It's just that, you know, it's condensed, baby. It's condensed so that we would talk about it and talk about it. We will. So the whole thing starts off by Luke, Uncle Luke, telling us that eight days later, eight days later, uh, or eight days after these sayings, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up on the mountain to pray. Come on, fellas, let's get up here. Let's come, come pray with me, Jesus says. And Uncle Luke, I think, I think what Luke is doing here with the eight days um, is, is pretty simple. Biblically speaking, on the eighth day, a lot of important things happen. So it's it's kind of common throughout the Bible that the eighth day, you know, is a day of importance. So I think Uncle Luke is throwing that cue out there. But when I think of the most prominent thing that's funny that happens on the eighth day, and it, it is the most prominent thing, it's circumcision. Circumcision for a baby is supposed to happen on the eighth day. Now, on the eighth day for the baby has no recollection I think I was circumcised on the, you know, I have no idea when I was circumcised, but I don't remember a thing. So it's not about the baby, but uh, it's it's about the symbolism of of removing something. <laughs> you know, I don't need to explain it to you how circumcision works with a male, but but I think that Uncle Luke is, is having a little bit of fun here because Peter, James, and John um, are being taken up on the mountain to pray with Jesus. And I think Jesus has a circumcision in mind. It is time for these guys to start really understanding who he is, that they're going to have to get rid of some of their old dead skin, so to speak, of what they think they know or who they think Jesus is. It's time to, to start packing in a real big picture of who Jesus is. And I think that's just Uncle Luke being a little bit funny at the eighth day. You know, something big's going to happen. Something important's going to happen. Circumcision, I think, is happening to these guys. These guys are being trimmed down, baby. Jesus is training them. They are training us. Jesus is training us. It's all, you know, part of the package as to what's going on. But I think there's some play going on with the eighth day here. Nonetheless, we get right into it. And as Jesus is praying... His appearance of his face was altered and his clothing becomes dazzling white. Now, this is the part where I say is just loaded or impregnated or pregoed with all kinds of meaning. And, and, you know, I don't expect everybody to be familiar with their Old Testament. But if you were, there, there is some things that should come to mind from the old part of the storyline that involve Moses, that involve a prophet named Daniel and a prophet named Elijah as well. Um, but just those simple words that his face was altered, that Jesus, as he's praying, his face is altered and his clothing becomes dazzling white. And we almost, you know, can, can conclude that there is this great, magnificent gleaning, you know, a glory and that reminds us that when Moses, so if we if we did peel back to when Moses, you know, was that guy going up and down a mountain and speaking with God. And when he comes down from that mountain um, in Exodus chapter 34, verse 29, with those 10 words from God, the Ten Commandments, um, we hear these words. Remember, this is what it says in Exodus chapter 34, verse 29. And it is when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, 
with two tablets of the testimony in his hands, Moses didn't know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Shone means shining, band, you know, Moses like beaming. And everybody's like, whoa, Moses, whoa, what is going on with your face? Your face is altered. And so when Jesus' face is altered, it's bringing back these days when Moses, speaking with God, his face would just be completely changed. It would just glowing and shining. It's pretty cool because that's the moment that is happening here. Jesus, all of a sudden, his face is shining. But more than his face is shining, his clothes just start taking on this high beam, you know, kind of effect. You know, high beams everywhere coming from his clothing. And again, our, um, you know, familiarity with the Old Testament comes into play here. There's a prophet named Daniel, and uh, Daniel's in, in you know, kind of the, the middle of the Bible, you know, as far as a book of the Bible. But Daniel comes at a very kind of weak time in Israel. Israel's been kicked out of the promised land. The Babylonians have sacked them, and Daniel is a prophet bringing, you know, kind of good cheer and good news, some, some visions of, of the way forward. Because if you were an Israelite and you got sacked by the Babylonians, you might be tempted to think that God is done with you, that he has you know, washed his hands of you, that he has shake, shaken the dust of his own sandals away from you. And, and the prophet Daniel is there to say, whoa, 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 God is not even close to being done with what God is going to do. And that text, in that text, Daniel gets this crazy vision. And I'm just going to read that text for us. And it comes from Daniel chapter 7. Uh, verse 9 and Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 to 14. And Daniel says, I looked and there were thrones all around in the ancient of days. That's a code word for God. The ancient of days took his seat and his clothing was white as snow. Sound familiar? Jesus' clothing up on the mountain just turns this glistening high beam white. Um, and Daniel, in his vision, sees God in this ultra magnificent wardrobe of white like you've never imagined white before, right? Okay, so his clothing was white as snow. His hair's like pure wool. Um, and Daniel says, I saw visions um, in the night and clouds rolled in and there came out of the clouds one like a son of man, which just simply means human. So Daniel sees, you know, 700 years before Jesus, you know, something like that. Uh, Daniel sees, you know, oh no, probably about 600 years before Jesus. Um, Daniel sees this, this human being coming before the ancient of days, God. And, and this one, like a human being, goes before God. And, it, and the ancient of days gives this man a dominion and a glory and a kingdom that all people and all nations and all languages would serve him. That his dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. So those were the words of Daniel's vision. And so when, when all of a sudden Jesus' face transfigures, and when his clothes transfigure, they're not just randomly transfiguring for no good reason. They are transfiguring according to the events that had happened in Israel's past, things that they knew about. And an Israelite should have known 
about these things. If, you know, if they had gone to synagogue, which most of them did. And so even Peter, James, and John here, I think they get the message whenever it clicks. They're like, holy Toledo, this is big timey kind of stuff. So Jesus transmorphs, you know, you know, into, you know, this figure, but this figure that he's transforming into is a reminder of the days of Moses, a reminder of the days of Daniel, and even a reminder of the, the prophet Elijah. And, and the words, uh, or the, the words that come next in this scene is behold, you know, so Jesus has just been turned into this glistening white, you know, kind of figure, not the ultimate white guy. That's not what's going on. His clothing and his face are just hot on high beams, you know, white in the terms of brightness, not white in the terms of the English or something like queer like that. No, 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 no. Behold, two men then enter the scene that Peter, James, and John see. And, and these two men, are Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah literally show up on this mountain. And, you know, they appear in glory themselves. And they're talking. And they're having a conversation with Jesus. And what are they talking about? They're talking about Jesus' departure. Now, it saddens me that, you know, some of the translations don't pick up on this. It should just see his, it should say his exodus, just so we keep everything in line. Departure and and exodus mean the same exact thing. But it'd be better if all translations in English, at least, just use the word exodus, since we, you know, talk about Israel coming out of Egypt as the exodus. This is what they're talking about. But they're talking about an exodus that Jesus is going to accomplish at Jerusalem. So Jesus has an exodus. Jesus' exodus is the subject of the conversation that Moses and Elijah show up to talk about. And basically, the picture that emerges here is that Moses and Elijah are on the scene to defer. They're saying, hey, the previous exodus, the previous exodus is all about what Jesus is about to accomplish in Jerusalem. His exodus is the granddaddy, the mother of all exoduses. And his exodus, if we start combining the vision, you know, with what we know about Daniel's vision and what we know about Moses' vision, this this is all coming together that God's big, gigantic story is coming together in the person of Jesus Christ. And this is what James and John and Peter are brought to see. They are given an inside look at the magnificence of God's plan to bring a dominion, to bring a kingdom, to bring an exodus to not just Israel, But for all the languages and all of the nations and all of the peoples to hear about, this one is big. And Jesus is right there as God's man, as God's chosen one, as God's Messiah, as God's Christ, as God's anointed. In fact, as God. But that is the effect of the scene. 
And the reason why I think Elijah is, is brought into the scenario here is, is that the last of the speaking prophets is Malachi. And Malachi says, well, let me just tell you what, what Malachi says. He says, behold, um, and, and Malachi is the last speaking prophet. So Malachi is probably speaking around, you know, 400, you know, BC, 400 years before Jesus. And Malachi's words to the people of Israel is this from God. Behold, I'm going to send Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. So um, Jesus has also referred to John the Baptist as completely fulfilling the fact that Elijah was going to be sent. John the Baptist dresses like Elijah. John the Baptist's message is much like Elijah's message. Um, John the Baptist is bold like Elijah is bold. And Jesus says, yes, John the Baptist is fulfilling and has fulfilled the promise that God made to send Elijah. Okay? So Elijah now personally shows up, and Moses now personally show up, to tip their hat, to bow themselves down, that everything they did was about this moment in Jesus Christ. So, so if Moses and Elijah, as the old part of the Bible, the Hebrew part of the Bible's prophets, are bowing down to Jesus, then how much are all the other prophets of the old part of the Bible, the, the old part of the storyline, how much are all the other prophets bowing down to what God is now doing in Jesus Christ. That's the effect. That's the punch that's coming in, is, is that there will be no prophet, and there is no prophet that can, you know, that, that would not, if, that, if a prophet's from God, there is no prophet that would not yield and bow to the great exodus that Jesus is about to perform in Jerusalem. Now, you and I as Christians know that that means his death and his resurrection, his cross, the cross outside of Jerusalem, um, where he is 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 murdered, killed, you know, with with common criminals, a criminal's death on a cross, a Roman cross, a scourge to humanity. This will be God showing the world that his plan is for everybody, and the plan is all about the forgiveness of sin and the meaningful accomplishment of victory over death. So, but remember, we're back in the story where, where Jesus is, is giving Peter, James, and John some inside knowledge. He is letting them see really who he is. And, and this, as we're told, this is scary stuff. Like this, this is, this is life-changing, life-shattering stuff. This, this cannot be forgotten once you've seen it. Um, and that's how, so, so, but, but Peter, James, and John are just humans. They are commoners. They, they are rough and rowdy, you know, kind of people as far as professionally goes. They're Carhartt people, the Carhartt-wearing people. They're workers. They, they uh, have rough hands. They have rough countenances. They're common folks. And, and, um, and so their response to it, to this whole thing is quite funny and, and funny it is Peter and those who are with him actually had fallen asleep. Now this is where the ADD kicks in, right? I mean, isn't it just hilarious that Peter, James, and John, 
you know, while Jesus took them up to pray, they fall asleep. Why? Well, because most humans, you know, struggle to pray <laughs> and, and is tempting to fall asleep in prayer a lot. In fact, we say our prayers oftentimes right before bedtime. Uh, Peter, James, and John, they, they, they fall asleep, but they awake, okay? They awake and they see this glory and the two men standing with Jesus talking about all this. And, and as the, the men were parting from, you know, him, Peter, you know, is just Peter and he's just classic. He's just, you know, he's just that guy that's so, he's hilarious. And he says, master, it's good that we're here. Let me make a, a three tents, uh, one for Moses, Elijah, and, and then Uncle Luke steps in and he says, he didn't know what he's talking about. But it's a fun scene because from Peter's standpoint, you know, he sees the magnificence of it and he knows that he should probably do something concerning a feast. And the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles was one of Israel's, you know, big time feasts that they celebrated. And it was a lot of fun, the Feast of Booths, because it was a, a time for fathers and sons, all the men of Israel would would make these makeshift branch tents or these makeshift, you know, it kind of reminds me of, of, of structures that Native Americans might use with branches and, and uh, palm leaves, whatever was available to make these little booths. Well, Israel would celebrate this, you know, as, as and it was a time where all the men, you know, got together and, and they, they did sacrifice, but, but it was all about remembering the great exodus out of Egypt that God had performed for them that he, how he had redeemed them, and that ultimately the message was about the forgiveness of sins. But but Peter, I think he just falls back to his, you know, kind of most his most positive childhood days with his own dad. You know, he's like, let's let's make a, a festival of booths. I'll make a booth for everybody and and we'll all camp out for, for the next 10 days in these little these little makeshift tents. Or the next seven days rather. It was a seven-day um ordeal. And, and, and even the festival of tabernacles concluded on the eighth day with, with kind of the major solemn event, you know, that kind of wrapped it all up. So again, Uncle Luke, I think, is just using that, that eighth day to clue us in to, uh, you know, something big is going to happen. And I do think that the most important thing here is that Jesus is indeed circumcising. He is cutting away from Peter, James, and John um, any of the excess baggage that they are attaching to Jesus, or at least, you know, the process is beginning of doing that. So then the whole moment just kind of goes away. It starts to go away. And this great cloud comes over all of them. And, and they were afraid, you know, as, as any of us would be. And a voice comes out of this cloud and says, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. It reminds us of the baptism when Jesus was baptized, you know, the great voice, you know, from the clouds said, this is my son, my beloved son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Now, again, reiterating that. And again, this is where the ADD comes in. You know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, the grabbing of the ears, you know, and God saying, you know, to Peter, James, and John, this is him. This is my son. Jesus is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him, grabbing all these guys by the ears saying, listen to him. You know, that that's how the, 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 the old medication for ADD was, was dad grabbing you by the ears and saying, listen. <laughs> so, so that is how the scene just kind of, you know, develops, you know, and then it just, you know, these guys were all left dumbfounded and they didn't even talk about it. They, they were like, oh, uh, they're speechless. 
they were speechless. After the voice had spoken, Jesus was alone, and they kept silent, and they head down the mountain. But what do we have at the end of this? What we have at the end of this is, is some, you know, great takeaways. Number one, Jesus. Jesus, biblically, you know, from the, from the front to back of the Bible, Jesus is the climax. Jesus is the apex. Jesus is the top of the story of God playing out the greatest story ever played. It also tells us that, you know, when, when, when the text of the Hebrew part of the Bible is being used in the person of Jesus as God is playing out his, his great play among us, that God actually enjoys putting together a great story. Because honestly, this story has been going on since the very beginning of time. And Moses himself predates these guys by about, you know, a thousand, well, 1,400 years. You know, so, so Moses is, is a 1,400-year-old event, you know, to these guys. And, and, and it just reminds us that, that, that this storyline that God has been playing out from Moses to now has, has engulfed a span of history of 1,400 years. And to think that the Bible doesn't keep step with historical accuracy, you're just a lunatic. You're not reading. You, you, don't, you don't listen to real people um, because it does. The Bible keeps in great step with everything we know about history from 1,400 B.C. up until now. But anyhow, but Jesus is the climax of the great story. And, and Jesus, you know, from this moment, we see that Jesus is absolute big time. There is absolutely nothing bigger than Jesus. When God does something, anything, Jesus is the biggest climactical event. Jesus' exodus is coming up, and that's what these boys have to know. Jesus' exodus is going to involve his cross. He's already told them that he is going to suffer and die and rise on the third day, and they don't get it. And this is part of the package saying, when that day comes, you remember this day too, because I am the glory of God. I am the Shekinah glory that Moses, you know, the, you know when Moses had his bright face, I'm it. I, I, am not, I am the cause of Moses' bright face. I am who Elijah was, you know, pointing out. I am who John the Baptist is pointing out. Jesus' exodus that is coming up in Jerusalem, the cross of Jesus Christ, is gargantuan. It's huge. And as we remember from Daniel's own words, this is not going to be for Israel. Jesus' exodus, his death and resurrection, his bringing forgiveness to people, to all people, is, is for all people, for all nations, for all languages. There's the, the text couldn't be clearer. Just like Daniel had envisioned, that is what this exodus is all about. So it is far bigger than the little exodus that happened in Egypt, you know, 1,400 years before Jesus and 20 or 3,400 years for, uh, ago for us. Jesus is the king of this kingdom that Daniel foresaw. Jesus is the one who has a dominion forever and ever. And Jesus is indeed the answer for our ADD. You know, I teach kids and I see ADD and I know it's a real problem, you know, but there's, there's something about ADD that while it is a real problem and, and, and I encourage people, you know, to take the necessary steps to try to get corrections in for that. But there's also something about ADD that we can all relate to all of us. 
have ADD. All of us have an attention deficit disorder. All of us have a hard time concentrating and focusing on the right things. Peter, James, and John represent, they, they represent us as super common. The new dirty dozen that Jesus picks, they're not superhumans. They're like me. They're like you. They have ADD just like me and you have ADD. We all have ADD. And what is the answer to every one of our ADD, no matter how severe your ADD is? To listen to Jesus, to hear him as God's chosen one, to hear him as his chosen son. It is always about Jesus Christ. And who is Jesus is the most important question that human beings can get an answer to. And that is exactly how Uncle Luke is presenting the storyline that Jesus was playing out in front of Peter, James, and John, and 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 in a in a way that every single one of us should be able to relate to, get, understand, and be able to talk about. Well, that's what we're on about here. Great hanging with you. See you next time. Thank you.